Good morning. Welcome to Evangel, and for those who are watching on the live stream, welcome. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. For God, we offer up this time to you. Please have your way. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When my heart is overwhelmed, I will look to you alone. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. You will stand when others fall. You are faithful through it all. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. In the blessing and the pain. Through it all, you've never failed me. You are the strength of my heart. You are the strength of my heart. I can rely on you. I can rely on you. You are the strength. You are the strength of my heart. The strength of my heart, I can rely on you. I can rely on you when I've struggled, when I've struggled to believe you have not let go of me. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. Carry through the darkest storms, you have held me in your arms. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. The blessing and the pain Through it all you never feel me You are the strength of my heart You are the strength of my heart I can rely on you I can rely on you You are the joy the joy of my life. You are my song in the night. There is no one as true. Jesus, I trust in you. Sing, Jesus, we trust. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Trust in you, God. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you, God. You are the strength of my heart. The strength of my heart, I can rely on you. I can rely on you. You are the joy of my life. You are my song in the night. There is no one as true. Jesus, I trust in you. You are the strength. You are the strength of my heart. 
strength of my heart I can rely on you We thank you God I can rely on you We praise you Lord You are the joy of my life You are my song in the night There is no one as true No one else God Jesus I trust in you There is no one no one as true Jesus I trust in you yes Lord God amen there is no one as true Jesus we trust in you My heart will choose to say, my blessing. 
the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you here today. Why don't you greet someone and welcome them to church this morning and then find your way to your seats. Awesome. You may be seated. We just have one announcement this morning. If you are new to EPC, first of all, I want to say welcome. We are so happy you are here. And in the backs of the chairs, we have welcome cards that you can fill out and submit to the information desk just outside in the foyer after service where you will receive a free gift. And then that way we can follow up with you as well and make that connection with you. So please be sure to do that. Otherwise, there's no more announcements. So kids, I'm going to invite you, grades one to five, to meet your volunteers at the door. Have an amazing kids' church. And uh, I'm, at this time, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to collect our morning tithes and offerings. Let my yes be yes to you, O oh Lord, let my no be no to the things of this world. If our eyes all fall, if I stand at all, I am leaning on your everlasting arms. Let's sing that again. Please stand as we sing. Let my yes be yes. Yes, be yes to you, O Lord. Let my no be no to the things of this world. If our eyes or fall, if I stand at all, I am leaning on your everlasting arms. What a God, I'm yours and you are mine. Let my restless soul be still and know I am leaning on your everlasting arms. From the morning, from the morning sun, mercy's new. To the evening stars, every promise is true. Thou walk this world, I'm held by you. I am leaning on your everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy, God, I'm yours and you are mine. Let my rest 
what a fellowship, what a fellowship, what a joy divine, what a priceless gift. God, I'm yours and you are mine. Let my restless soul be still and know I am leaning on your everlasting arms. The more I'm leaning, the more I'm leaning, the more I'm flying. Feels less like dying, more like living for heaven on earth. The more I'm leaning, the more I'm flying. Feels less like dying, more like living for heaven on earth. The more I'm leaning, the more I'm flying. Feels less like dying. It's really trusting in you in every moment from day to day. It's not a static thing. It's a relationship. And it's hard, especially sometimes certain seasons are so difficult. And yet you call us to trust in you. The one I'm 
drawing from You are my refuge My whole life long Where else would I go? Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And when I feel like I'm all alone Your love defends me Your love defends me Day after day Day after day Night after night, I will remember you're with me in this fight. Although the battle, it rages on, the war is already won. I know the war is already won. Oh, surely my Hallelujah. 
my salvation hallelujah you're my portion my don't always feel it sometimes we just feel so empty Lord God you are our portion you are our Savior and there's no one else where else shall we go Lord God you are everything and if we've forgotten that and we've gotten distracted and we're running around trying to a million different things. Lord God, help us to simplify. Just get rid of distraction and focus back on you. Please forgive us, Lord God. Wash us clean. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to grow, Lord God, in faith, hope, and love. And to do what you call us to, whatever that is, Lord God. To be your hands and feet in this world. But it all starts with trusting in you. If we don't trust in you, how are we going to do your mission? Yes, Because we can't do it without you. It's not going to be our own way, our own plans. You see it all and you're in control. And help us to cooperate with what you want to do, Lord God. Make us channels of your peace, your grace, your love, your goodness, Lord God. Please help us too. Not just hear your word, but to really listen, Lord God, and to apply it. What you reveal to us, Lord God, whatever it may be, help us to put it into action. We lift up this time to you. We thank you, Lord God, that we can gather here worship you and, and pray and read scripture. Thank you, God, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you that you call us your friends. You call us sons and daughters. What a gift. Lord God, with all the different struggles that people are going through, whatever they may be, Lord God, I pray for your help, for your healing, for your comfort, for deliverance, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would guide and lead. Pray for joy, pray for peace, and above all else, Lord God, we pray for your love, your unconditional divine love, Lord God to shape us and transform us and that we'll go out shining, reflecting your love to a broken world that needs you, Lord God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word.
Our scripture today is found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you, church. You may be seated. And thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Not too long ago, I had a, the fantastic opportunity to coach a grade five to six softball team. And if you're having trouble seeing me as a softball coach, don't worry. I had a lot of trouble seeing myself as a softball coach. I had never coached softball in my life, although I grew up watching my dad play as a part of the, uh, the league that he was in at the time. So I was familiar with it, but I wasn't the best of it. But the kids were, were fantastic. I loved working with the coach. And there was a tournament coming up that the team was participating in. So our practices were geared towards preparing to face those other teams and to try our best to win. And one of the things that we would practice the most was our batting skills. Each student would take turns at bat while the coach pitched them the ball, and it was softball, so it was underhand pitches. And there was this one time where I remember the coach saying specifically that each student would get a turn to go at bat, and whether they were good or bad, they would get three pitches to try and hit the ball before moving on to the next student. Simple enough, we had a limited amount of time available to us anyways. So we had a few students take their turn, and, and, and there, were, well, there was one or two that actively played the sport outside of school, so they had natural talent, natural ability, hit it out of the park, no problem. But there were some other students who had trouble hitting the ball, and you know, the coach would make sure they were, they were ready before throwing it to them, and, and it wasn't pretty sometimes. It wasn't pretty. But there would be, they would get one pitch and miss, and, in, and here I am in my mind going, okay, that's okay, you got two more, you got this, you can do it. And so the second pitch uh, and a miss, third pitch, and a miss again. So I'm gearing up for the next student to come up since they missed all three pitches, and, 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 I'm, and I'm standing here thinking, like, that's okay. You'll get them next time. You know, it, it happens to everyone. I struck out once before. It's, it's, it's totally okay. But the coach suddenly kept giving these students who missed all three another chance at bat. And I may not know the rules that much about softball, but I know you get three pitches, and if you miss them, then you're out of the game. That's, ba that's the basic rules. But he just kept giving them chances to go. And fast forward to the tournament, I wasn't holding my breath. You know, I wanted to win, but I knew there were better teams out there. So, but I see some of the students go out there during the games and hit the ball all the way to outfield when they didn't hit the ball at all during the practices, all because they were given countless chances during practice to get it right. Did we win the tournament? <laughs> Not even close. We were the second best hitters, though, we were told. But do the students grow more and develop more through the challenge and the chances that the coach presented? 100%. Now, the reason I start with this story is that I think a lot of us, when it comes to God, our knowledge of him and, and our relationship with him, we feel that his perspective of us is not dissimilar to mine when helping coach the softball team. Like, you only got this many chances and you struck out. It's over. When we think of how Jesus sees us, you know, we're, we're here this morning, we're worshiping and pursuing more of God, but sometimes we can get stuck looking at our life thinking that we have struck out when it comes to to Jesus. 
You and I, we've made mistakes in our lives before. We can look in the rearview mirror and you can think to yourself that God is out there and he's looking down on me a little disappointed going, hey, take a seat in the dugout on the bench. Maybe I'll let you back in the game. Maybe not. And if you thought that about your life before in the past, I can confidently say that I've been right there with you. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking that's the, your, the perspective for your life right now, well, I, can't, I have to tell you that that can't be further from the truth. And so the title of our message today is Be Our Guest. And throughout this message, we're going to be taking a deep examination of the passage of Scripture in the book of Luke where Jesus encounters a man named Zacchaeus. And this encounter is a perfect illustration of how the mission of Jesus at that point, as it still is today, is to seek and to save the lost. The truth of it, no matter your past mistakes, is that our God is one that will continue to pursue, continue to encourage, continue to be with us, and continue to demonstrate to us his unending grace. And just like the coach that I was able to work alongside um, giving, uh, giving students multiple chances to succeed in hitting the ball, Jesus is the one that gives us the chance to return to his love the chance to embrace him and accept him as the God who never tells us that we are out of the game. And so if you're taking notes this morning, you can start here. When we have a genuine desire to encounter Jesus, we will find that he seeks us out and invites us into a real relationship that leads to transformation. So growing up in Sunday school in the early uh, 2000s, it was the high point for children's songs and, and rhymes to be played. And, you know, sometimes they taught us good theology. Sometimes they put actions to the words and stuff like that uh, just so that we can memorize it better. But one of those songs was actually about Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And if you know that song, you just exposed yourself as a VBS alumni. And that's okay. I will, I will pray for you. But if you know that song, uh, you know that this story is not just specifically a cute little song that you sang in Sunday school or VBS, but the story of Zacchaeus is actually the story of one of the most notorious sinners that Jesus encountered during his ministry. So Zacchaeus was, was in Jericho, and the place of Jericho, it has a history in that it was a place of prosperity. It had the nickname the City of Palm Trees. It was a place of conquest, and also in some stories, a place of refuge. But more than that, it was the epicenter of a thriving trade, which just added to its prosperity at the time. Jericho was a place for well-off traders and political elites because it catered to the rich and to the powerful of Jesus' day. And as we read, we learn that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. And to be the chief tax collector in a city as well-off as Jericho, man, Zacchaeus, he he was rich. To say he was rich is, is an understatement. He was rolling in it. And because of his role as the chief tax collector, it's not far off to say that the people hated him. They despised him. That was not only due to their dislike of taxes, but more so because of the practice known as tax farming, where the collector made his profit on whatever extra he could get away with from charging his victims. A tax collector was highly motivated to make the taxes as high as possible so as to increase the amount of profit that he could pocket for himself. And so Zacchaeus, Being the chief tax collector meant that he took a lot of money from a lot of people and made himself rich off of the taxes placed on them. Contrast this to the beginning of the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 3, verse 13, a group of tax collectors came to be baptized by John the Baptist and asked how they could get right with God. And John said this, collect no more taxes than the government requires. See, John's advice speaks to the temptation often associated with their profession, overcharging and overcollecting. 
He instructs them to collect only what must be taken and no more. So knowing all of this about ordinary tax collectors, for Zacchaeus to be called the chief tax collector meant that this was a much greater glimpse into his character. So knowing who Zacchaeus was, the narrative just changed for the people there and would have triggered all kinds of emotional responses. But Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem and wanted to do whatever he could to see Jesus. There's no explanation as to why he wanted to see Jesus. But as mentioned, Jericho was a spot that catered to the rich and the influential. And by this point in Jesus's ministry, it was well known who Jesus was and the things that he had done. Rumors about his identity swirled around him, so it was no surprise that even the chief tax collector wanted to see Jesus, wanted to lay eyes on this man as he passed through the town. But one of my favorite uh, descriptions of anyone in the Bible comes in this passage as Luke describes Zacchaeus as too short to be able to see Jesus from over the crowd. And to that I say, Zacchaeus, I get it. I get it, right? I, I, I am only, tr- like truly, uh, to, to those with height, I envy you. I really do. Like, I am only five foot this, but like, hey, I, I'm a proud five foot this, okay? But, and I married uh, into a family of people who, for the most part, are over six feet in height. Uh, and, and the tallest in Esther's family is actually close to seven feet. So trying to take family pictures with them, like, I'm surprised they even know who I am, right, at this point in time. So I sympathize with Zacchaeus in that sense, but I also admire the solution he found to the problem. He climbed a tree. He climbed a tree. Our text says that Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. He sought after the opportunity to simply see this remarkable man that everyone was talking about so much so that he didn't mind doing something that many thought was beneath the dignity of a grown, wealthy man. He climbed up a sycamore tree. He had such a genuine, genuine, real desire to lay eyes on Jesus that he chose to do something that you typically imagine kids and teenagers doing. And to me, there's this fun parallel between Zacchaeus climbing this tree uh, to see Jesus and this verse in Matthew chapter 18, which says, Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And so the parallel here isn't isn't that Zacchaeus climbed the tree like a child would, more in the meaning of what Jesus was saying in this verse. That those who would enter must make themselves humble by recognizing that, like little children, they are powerless over the circumstances of their own lives. Zacchaeus' circumstances regarding his height didn't stop him from doing what he needed to do to see Jesus. And in that moment, chose to humble himself and climb a tree despite his reputation, despite his wealth, despite being a grown man, all to simply lay eyes on the Son of God. And throughout the book of Luke, Uh, leading up to this story, the author, uh, more than any other of the gospel writers, shows consistent concern about matters of wealth. For example, there's all of these stories about the perils of hoarding wealth. There's the parable of the shrewd and the dishonest manager and the story of the rich ruler who doesn't seem to want to sell all that he has and give the money to the poor and follow Jesus. See, what has gone before the story of Zacchaeus almost sets up uh, sets, sets, sets us up, rather, to expect Zacchaeus to fall in similar ways. What kind of man is Zacchaeus going to be? And if we didn't know the story, there might actually be some kind of suspense here. But we're going to see that those who truly desire to seek Jesus will do whatever necessary to follow him unhindered. And this person who is trying to see who Jesus is is going to reveal who he is by the end of the story. When Esther and I go on road trips, 
my goal as the driver is to go as far as possible without having to stop. We make frequent trips to Ottawa, as that's where my family lives, and most of the times we can make the drive within under five hours easy. And within that time frame, I plan out what places we'll pass by and what places we'll pass through before needing to stop. I'll make sure that Lucy has a clean diaper. I'll make sure we all have gone to the washroom. I'll make sure we've all eaten or take something on the road so that we don't have to make a sudden stop. And I will tell them, okay, this is where our one stop is going to be of this whole drive, and it's going to be in three hours' time. Right? Prepare yourselves. I take pride in being one of the most efficient road trip planners that I know, but every now and then, there's a moment where as we're passing through a town or passing by an en route on the 401, someone in our car mentions that they're hungry or they need to make a stop. Well, Lucy doesn't use as many words. She usually just screams at us. But on the road, plans can change on a dime. And even though I had everything planned out perfectly, things happen that change those plans. And I say this because there's an interesting change of plans for Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. In verse 1 of our passage, we read that Jesus was passing through. But in verse 5, he comes across Zacchaeus. He locks eyes with him, tells him to come down from the tree because he must stay at Zacchaeus' house today. And our text says, starting in verse 6, that Zacchaeus came down from the tree at once and gladly welcomed Jesus into his home. I can only imagine the thoughts running through Zacchaeus' mind at this moment. You want to come into my home? No one wants to come into my home. Everyone dislikes me. Everyone hates me here. But the Messiah, the, the, the one who pr- says he's the son of God, wants to come into my home? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can sense Zacchaeus' excitement just emanating from this text. But the, pe- but the people there begin to mutter that he, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. To go and have a meal and to fellowship at someone's house is not dissimilar to how it is in our time. To do that is to say that I'm going to associate with you. I want to be friends with you. I want to have a relationship with you. If you were to go to another town where you know someone, who are you going to visit and stay with? The one that you know. And you may be sitting here this morning thinking, yeah, this is why I love Jesus. You know, the Jesus I follow is always going after the marginalized. He's always going after, after the sick, the poor, and the like. But Zacchaeus, he's not the marginalized. He's not a victim of the system. He's the guy running the system. That's why the crowd responds and asks Jesus, what in the world is Jesus doing with a man like Zacchaeus? What are you doing? But what this does show, what this does is shows us Jesus' nature as the one who came for all who are lost without exception. There are no exceptions to God's grace. There is no person in this room in our world, outside of the boundaries of God's grace. So Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus in that tree and sees a hunger for that spiritual reality within Zacchaeus' soul and says to him, let's share a meal today. See, Jesus, he sees treasure. He sees treasure inside of every single human being and he seeks for it. And that's what he's doing with you today, with us. If you want to know what Jesus is doing, he left heaven to come to be your savior. He's looking for you to experience his love, his grace, and eternal life today. And maybe you're here this morning, and you hear that, but you're thinking to yourself, man, if Jesus knew this about me, he wouldn't want me. I got to change this about myself. I got to get my life together, and then I could follow Jesus. I challenge you to look at the example of Peter when Jesus first called him to follow Jesus. 
When Jesus tells Peter to put down his net and follow him, Peter responds with this in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. But what Jesus does is he responds with grace, essentially affirming to Peter that he wants him despite that. So I ask you, what's your worst in your past or the worst issues in your life today? Because no matter what you may have done, no matter what you may be struggling with, if you're earnestly seeking after Jesus and have a hunger to know him, you will find that he's been seeking after you. And that despite our worst, he invites you into a real relationship that can set you free. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, he didn't wait until we turned to him or got better. He didn't wait for us to fix something. No, right when we were at our worst, Christ died for us and welcomes us into his arms. When it comes to our passage about Zacchaeus, we see that there is both an urgency and an intentionality on Jesus' part to reach him despite the social repercussions. From the outset of Luke's gospel, we see Jesus side with those on the margins, those considered down and out. And while Zacchaeus is rich, he is nevertheless despised by his neighbors and counted as nothing. And yet Jesus singles him out. And by seeing him, by calling him, by staying with him, by blessing him, Jesus declares for all to hear that this one, this one, even the chief tax collector, is a child of God. And so now we see the results of Jesus calling Zacchaeus uh, and entering his home and staying with him despite his social status at the time. At some point between verse 7 and verse 8 of our passage, he spends time with Jesus and everything changes with Zacchaeus. Think about the testimony And what the people's response would be, seeing Zacchaeus give half of everything that he owned to the poor. But not only that. No, he also commits to paying back the people he cheated out of their money. But not actually not just paying back. Paying back four times what he had stolen. He goes, I won't just pay back what I stole, but I will give them back four times as much. And if that's not a demonstration of the transformation that comes from receiving a a relationship with Jesus, then I don't know what is. In receiving Jesus and spending just a little time with him, Zacchaeus knew he had to repent and make things right. First, he just sought after Jesus. He just wanted to lay eyes on the man that was coming into town. Rumors were spreading around him. He just wanted to lay eyes on him. But in seeking Jesus, he also came to seek repentance. And remember, considering the way Zacchaeus made his money, it was unlikely that the list of people he would need to pay back was a short one. Because of Jesus' acceptance, the heart of Zacchaeus was changed forever. And this is why Jesus goes on to declare that salvation had come to Zacchaeus' home that day. Because this man, Zacchaeus, in Jesus' words, was a son of Abraham. And he didn't say this about Zacchaeus because his salvation came as a result of him giving his wealth away. Salvation came because Zacchaeus had the same kind of faith that Abraham had. And the fruit of Zacchaeus' salvation, the proof of it, was in his first act as a changed man. This man, too, is a child of God's covenant family, you could say. And his salvation didn't come as a result of him trying harder. It came through a person. It wasn't a matter of telling Zacchaeus now that here's a new principle, right? Here's a new thing to adopt, and if you do this, then God will accept you. No, Zacchaeus needed a Savior. And when he encountered that Savior, everything changed for him. Our text says salvation has come to his house. And I love this. 
I do, because it says salvation has come to this house. Salvation came to the house. Jesus came to the house, right? Salvation has a name. It didn't come as a process or a list of tasks for Zacchaeus to accomplish. It comes through a person, and that person is Jesus. And listen to this. Jesus closes off our passage of study this morning by speaking what is widely known as the key verse of the entire Gospel of Luke, one that accurately summarizes his, this story and our lives as followers of Jesus. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. I underlined those two words for us this morning because I think they are so important for us to take away as our application this morning as well. See, Jesus explained why he sought and extended friendship to a notorious sinner like Zacchaeus. See, Jesus came precisely to save people like Zacchaeus. Even though Zacchaeus sought Jesus, it turns out that he was the one who was lost and Jesus sought him. And with this one short sentence, we are told exactly what Christ came into this world for. He came for a purpose. He came to do a work. He didn't come to condemn us, but so that we might be saved through him. The whole gospel is in this one simple sentence, and I challenge you to see the measure of your worth, the measure of your value to Jesus through what he says here. That the Son of Man came to seek you so that you might be saved through him. To seek speaks of his compassion for us, even when we are at our worst. And to save speaks of the price that Jesus paid to redeem us. This entire account of Zacchaeus gives us a remarkable promise that anyone who desires to see Jesus will realize that Jesus was seeking them out the whole time. Church, Jesus came to seek you, to have a real relationship with you, and to save you so that you might experience joy in the presence of Jesus today and eternal life because of his sacrifice for you. At this point, I'd like to invite the worship team back up. We're going to close off our service with a time of worship this morning. And I want to encourage you, those who are here and, and those who are watching online, that you are not lost to Jesus. You are not lost to Jesus. Just, that just like the story of Zacchaeus, simply one example, in the entirety of the Gospels, Jesus seeks us out and desires to transform us. To him we are treasures. To him you are a treasure. And it is through his love that we can be restored and transformed. And if you are here again or watching online and have never accepted Jesus into your life, then that choice can be yours this morning. There's nothing that you need to do or accomplish to earn this salvation. It is freely given by the Father who came to seek and to save us. And all it takes is that desire in your heart, like we see in, with Zacchaeus, to seek Jesus out to know that he's been seeking you out this whole time. And even more practically for us as, as a church, what can we learn from the story of Zacchaeus? Maybe for us, it can teach us to see people as being sought out by God. Maybe there are some in your life who, have been, who you have seen left on the margins, who you have left on the margins yourself, who have been deemed by us to be out of bounds or too far outside of God's grace and who may deep down just want to see Jesus but have been kept at bay. And if you're here this morning... And as I'm saying that, you're thinking that that feels like you, that you felt like you've been kept at bay in the past. I want you to know that Jesus is seeking you and that you are not lost to him. You are not lost to Jesus. 
and that you have a place here as part of a church family, as a community that can uplift you and support you in your journey of faith. And for the rest of us as a church family, I encourage you to allow this message, the example Jesus set to Zacchaeus, to challenge us to seek after all people, to allow Jesus to work through our faithfulness in in inviting all people to experience the love of Jesus so that their joy too could be made complete. So I invite you all to stand with us as the worship team leads us one last time. And as you worship this morning, I encourage you to allow God to speak to your heart and be reminded and comforted and uplifted in the fact that Jesus came to seek and to save you, that you are not lost to him. No matter where you've come from and no matter what you may be experiencing, you are valuable to Jesus. go of every single dream I'll each one down at your feet every moment of my wandering never changes what you see I've tried to win this war I confess my hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight. No matter what I face, you're by my side. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Truth is, truth is you know. Day ahead you have not seen So in all things be my life and breath I want what you want I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less When you don't move the mountains I'm needing you to move When you don't part the waters I wish I could walk through When you You are my strength and comfort. You are my strength and comfort. You are my steady hand. You are my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher. Your plans are always good. There's not a place where I'll go. You've not already stood. When you I'm needing you to move when you don't part.
Heavenly Father, we're here this morning and we declare in one voice that we trust in you. God, we thank you for your love for us, a love that seeks us out. God, a love that saves us. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room this morning. God, for whoever needed to hear that message, Lord, I just pray that they are encouraged that you are with them. God, that you love them and that you are seeking them, that, you are, that we are not lost to you. And God, this morning, as we close off our time together, we lift up a few needs to you in our congregation. God, we lift up a little Emma to you. God, who has been going through a, a few complications after her surgery. And God, we just ask for your healing touch over her body right now. God, for her parents and the rest of the family, Lord, I just pray for peace and comfort and for a way forward for them. God, may she not have to be in the hospital. May she be at home with her family, able to grow in their love. Lord, we lift up Edith to you as well. Heavenly Father, we ask for your hand of comfort over her body right now. God, may she not experience any pain or discomfort. God, may she go about her days uh, free to do what she needs to or wants to do, Lord Jesus, unhindered by the pain in her body. God, we thank you for this church. God, for the needs that were unspoken or that we may have walking in here this morning. We, we may have needs in this place. And God, you know our hearts. And so we just ask that you continue to meet needs and, and testimony arises and, and we're able to hear of your goodness and your love for us. So we love you, Jesus. Be with us as we go today and we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week ahead and we will see you next Sunday. Have a good one.